Five years ago, AT&T, one of the big phone giants, announced it was buying Warner Media, one of the big media giants. It was a huge deal at the time, but now AT&T wants a do-over. This week, the company announced that it was going to merge Warner Media with Discovery Inc., another cable TV company. Or, in other words, the folks behind Game of Thrones might be merging with the people behind HGTV. Peter Kafka and the Recode Media Podcast have a new episode out this week that explains the wild world of media mergers. We wanted to share part of it with you today. Here's Peter. I'm talking to Edmund Lee from the New York Times, where he's a corporate media reporter. And uh, and in older older times, I used to compete with Ed uh, back when he was at Bloomberg. And in between those two things, Ed was my boss at Recode. Uh, Welcome, Ed. It's about time, man. I I don't know how long it took for me to get on your damn show after all this time. It took a giant unmerger. (laughs) Exactly right. We are talking, obviously, about AT&T and WarnerMedia and Discovery. Thanks for making a few minutes to chat about it. Sure. Um, I have so many questions, but here's the big one. What happened? Why did (laughs) AT&T decide five years ago they wanted to spend more than $100 billion, including debt, to buy what was then called Time Warner? And then announced, no, 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 actually, it turns out this should be merged with some other asset. We're going to get it off their books. What, what happened within AT&T to prompt this deal? It was a do-over, right? That's what they wanted. Well, you well, and I both literally ago. wrote the same lead, by the way. We both used do-over <laughs> in the lead. So that's, that's I know, how sick man. That's the problem with these things when the, when the story is so obvious, like we're trying to figure out. Um, well, look, five years ago, you know, the thesis was, look, hey, like cell phone service is a commodity, right? Everyone, it, it was saturated. Right. Between Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, they're effectively the same. They're all just competing on price. They were just stealing customers away from each other. Right. So they all decided, well, what can we do to make ourselves look different from the other guy? Right. Uh, and so they just say, hey, this is Randall Stevenson, who was the CEO of AT&T at the time, said he likes this Time Warner asset. Right. Which is what it was called before it was renamed Warner Media. And Jeff Bukas at the time was looking for an exit. I was the former CEO of Warner Media, who got exactly. did one of the best time sales in, in history. Absolutely, this like he pulled off. He he pulled a rabbit out of a hat in that deal and convinced the bellheads at AT and T, um, Randall Stevenson. No, 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 this is going to be a good deal for you, right? Um, and I remember distinctly when the press release went out, AT and T basically cited two reasons for the deal, which was targeted advertising and online video. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like eighty-five billion, well, hundred billion with debt for for video and ads. All right, I I don't quite get it. Um, but they thought the thesis, the strategy was, we'll look different from the other guys. And if you're a unlimited AT and T data subscriber, you get free HBO Max. Like every one of us said, I don't really understand how this is going to work. I asked everyone involved in the deal. How, why this would work, why this would be different than the Time Warner AOL uh, merger, which is a disaster from from the 2000 era. No one ever had really a good answer. So it turns out they never found a real answer. So when when do you think John Stanky, who now runs AT&T, said, oh, this isn't a good idea. I should try to unwind it. AT&T is what they call a balance sheet company, right? It just, it brings in so much cash. It generates so much cash. Um, and their biggest thing is what do they do with that sort of cash that flows in? Uh, so dividends are a big part of how they manage your business. It cre- 
keeps the stock up. But here's the thing to know about John Sankey is that before he became CEO of AT&T, which is like a year or two ago, he was AT&T's chief merger strategist. He actually architected this Time Warner deal. Didn't necessarily initiate it, but, you know, Randall told him, let's make this work. So he figured out a way to make it work. He also did the direct TV deal a few years before that. So I think, look, I'll give John Stanky credit for this much, right? I think when he took over, it became clear, even after all the cost cutting he did at, at Warner Media, he realized, you know what? We don't have enough money to keep this thing going. And part of the reason is because ATD already has so much debt and they've now got to fuel this 5G technology, right? They just agreed to spend $23 billion on more airwaves. But none of those things are surprises. Those are all things they knew going in. It was an open secret that this was going to be an issue for them from the time they bought um, Warner Media, which was the whole premise was for them to go up against Netflix, right? Spending $17 billion a year on content. One of the questions was, even though you're now owned by this giant phone company, will you have enough money to actually compete? Um, and there's a great Joe Flint profile of Jason Kyler, who is currently, well, I don't know what his title is now, but he's in theory, the, the CEO right, of Warner Media, right. the, where, the lame duck CEO of Warner Media is probably yes, the way of putting it. Where somewhere in the end, uh, Joe Flint says, Hey, Jason Kyler, I hear that all your guys are worried that Warner Media isn't going to get enough cash from AT&T to run your business. What do you think about that? And Jason Kyler, who knows how to speak to the press and not speak to the press, goes, hmm, spicy. So <laughs> it is an open secret that AT&T is not willing to fund this project in the way that its competitors are. It's not putting the resources in that Disney right. is. I, I guess we don't know is the real answer. We just don't know what prompted John Stanky to unwind this deal, this enormous deal, and to also unwind this direct TV deal. That's the satellite TV company that he bought for $67 billion, including debt, and now is worth something less than $16 billion. We just don't know sort of if he got a tap in the middle of the night and said, change yeah. or else. Or he had some revelation. I, look, I, I think that's fair. I also think it's worth noting that not long after they bought uh, Time Warner, uh, an activist investor came on the scene, Elliott Management. Mm -hmm. They basically said, hey, we don't understand your media strategy either. <laughs> also, this direct TV thing makes no sense for you to continue to hold on to. And they made all these recommendations and they're kind of following through on them. One of the recommendations, recommendations was fire John Stanky, <laughs> which didn't happen. Didn't happen. But the, the, I think they questioned if he was the best leader for Warner Media. They got Jason Kyler to do that, right? Um, but here's the thing. Now it's even better for AT&T shareholders because, you know what? I'm going to take off some of that debt, put it into this new company we're spinning off. So if you're Elliot, you're like, hey, that not a bad play. Looks like our, the, the, our pressure tactics worked. There's also something more sort of existential here, right? Which is there's been this long history of like corporate outsiders thinking they're smarter than Hollywood, right? That they can come in mm -hmm. and like, you know what? <laughs> bloated business. You guys don't know how to run things. You know, there's a much more efficient, cheaper way to do what you're doing. And they get in there, they open it up and they're like, oh no, the talent likes to get paid a lot of money and content is expensive no matter how you try to do and it. And they leave town and it's embarrassment. Yes. And, and the exactly. Japanese have done this, big conglomerates used to do it. There's one very potent counterexample where this has worked, which is Netflix. Yes. Which used to be a DVD by mail company up in Silicon Valley, showed up in Hollywood, threw a ton of money around and have succeeded so wildly that everyone is now trying to copy them. And that is really what's going on. Everyone wants to 
create their own Netflix, whether they actually are capable of doing it or not. They're they're trying to say they're doing it. Right. Uh, and by the way, that's that's what this new we haven't even talked about Discovery, but this new company, which is Discovery and Warner Media, is supposed to be a sort of a pure play video company that is now supposed to take on Netflix. What right. do we think of that combined company? It's it's HBO, it's Warner Media, it's a bunch of reality TV shows from Discovery. And it's a like lot of it? sports, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Discovery owns a lot of sports overseas, Eurosport, and and Warner Media's got, you know, a lot of NBA and MLB stuff on their TNT, TBS cable network. So there's something there maybe. Look, I, I think it's a nice combination in that there's no there's little overlap, right? That That's a smart play in that way. Both David Zaslav and John Stanky have made a whole big deal about, oh, we're going to have, you know, we spend $20 billion a year on content, right? It's it's a nice round mm-hmm. number, which is bigger than Netflix's $16 billion that they spend on content. Here's the thing, though. Most of that $20 billion is spent on linear channels, which is this, the old the old school the, media. The business stuff, that's right? dying. The business that's dying. It's, that it's has a big fewer, profitable fewer. business, throws off a lot of money, but it's exactly. shrinking. And, you know, I... I did. I was able to get Zazov on the phone for just a really brief bit, and I kind of pressed him on that. So, what? How are you allocating that money exactly, right? And he didn't really give a straight answer, except to say that you know what, these traditional businesses are very compelling because they have huge cash flow, right? So that you know who told of, me that? You know who told me that a couple months ago? Well, Jason Kyler. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. So what are we talking about here? It's like we're talking about this like sort of weird pivot that all these guys are trying to make. It's like there's so much profit here that's dying, but that the business is dying. And there's so much upside in consumers here, but it still loses tons of money. Right. So how do I make this switch without losing my shirt? Right. And I think that's, you know, I haven't seen any one of these guys, maybe Disney, arguably, but none of these guys have really sort of taken that huge leap. So let's let's talk about sort of what that company becomes, what its chances are. You know, the beyond the beyond the we're going to add HBO and somehow sell more cell phones, uh, cell phone service uh, plan that AT and T had. The, the other part of their plan was, and they were very vocal about this, and everyone rolled their eyes. They said HBO is a great product, but it's limited. It only has reached forty million people. It's not going to get much bigger. We need a lot more. It seems actually like a pretty reasonable thing to say is we need to compete. We have to get bigger. By the way, we're not strip mining HBO. We're just going to sell more stuff on top of that. That's what HBO Max is called. Hard to explain that, um, but that's what it is. Now it's HBO Max plus a bunch of other stuff from Discovery. Um, it kind of looks like, you know, a good half of what the cable uh, grid used to look like, right? right. HBO <laughs> and a bunch of other channels. They're kind of reassembling a, a bundle. Um, does that look like a competitive product? I mean, when I flip through HBO Max, it looks it looks actually like the cable grid, right? Like they've got different brands within the service, right? There's a TCM brand. There's, you know, old time movies. There's HBO itself. Um, look, I think right now, it's a really cheap cable bundle if you think of it that way. Even if you throw in Discovery and maybe add a few bucks or something around it, which is also what Netflix is, right? It's also and what it's Netflix kind of is. what Disney was working up to. Exactly. So look, I I'm not that smart, right? I don't really know what the prospects are for what we're seeing from HBO Max and Discovery Plus. John Stanky was right. Like it needs more content. Period. Right. That's what Netflix figured out not that long ago. So. You know, it's it's a race for adding more content and in the race for adding more content, it's a race for 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 talent, 
right? That's that's what's limited. And that's what Netflix realized only too recently, right? Which is why they created this, you know, great new headquarters uh, uh, in Hollywood. And Ted Sarandos has been been glad handling all the, the talent because that's where the limited pool is, right? That's, you know, you can throw all the technology you want at it, but, you know, the talent is still a limited thing. It's not YouTube. It's not like they're just finding people off the street to create stuff. Someone has to make the show. Someone exactly. has to act in the show. There's a limited number of people who can do that well enough to get you to pay attention and or pay money. Exactly. And so I think that's where, that's where, you know, Zaslav might have an edge on that, right? If he's better at courting Hollywood, if he's better at getting Oprah to do other things, you know, if he's better at getting the cutting the next big sort of overall deal, right, for HBO plus Discovery, whatever that might be, you know, yeah, that it might might work out well for them. Um, when I write a Vox.com story, I try to tell it a Vox.com reader as a consumer why they should care about that. Here we're doing it and we're doing this the inverse, right? We did all the techie nerdy stuff at the beginning. Let's say I'm a big HBO fan. Let's say I'm a fan of HBO Max. Let's say I'm a fan of uh, HGTV or I really like 90 Day Fiance so much that I bought Discovery Plus. What does this mean to me, the person who likes watching television and pays for some of it? So I think if you're, you know, a regular person out there in the world, you know, there's a chance that who knows, maybe you're you're going to get, you know, a slightly better rate on a bundle, right? On a streaming bundle, right? Because I think we've all been inundated with so many new streamers. I think people are paying as much as they were paying cable, right? If, they, if you've got all of them. So that might be a plus. Um, and you're going to hope that, well, you know what? It, maybe there's just more money being devoted towards these types of shows that I like. So will we get more of them? At the same time, it just still means competition, right? There's there's $20 billion that they're looking to spend. Where are they going to spend it on? And every year that might go up slightly, but they might take money away from 90 Day Fiance or Property Brothers and put it a little bit more in, you know, Warner Brothers films for that matter, right? Who knows? And so, you know, that that might mean something for your favorite show in the next few years. Hey, everybody, Teddy here again. We wanted to make sure you know that there's more to this conversation between Peter and Ed Lee. If you're interested, head over to the Recode Media podcast feed, and we will include a link to that episode in our show notes. As always, thanks for spending some time with us. We want to hear from you. Let us know what's in your mind. Email us at recodedaily at recode.net. Thanks. Thanks.